The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to Psalm 24, we took a historical look at this psalm last week together as we saw David and his chosen men of Israel bringing the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom back into the city of David. Today, we take a prophetic look at this psalm. We'll begin our reading with verse 1 after a word of prayer together. Father, it is in Jesus' precious name I come. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your wisdom and grace and power and loving kindness. For your holiness, we give thanks at the remembrance of thy holiness. For holy and reverend is thy name. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. It is in His precious and powerful name I pray. Make us a blessing to all who hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalm 24, verse number 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And so let's stop there and briefly remind you that Psalm 24 closes out a triplet, a trio of Psalms, 22, 23, 24, in which we see Christ, the Messiah, the shepherd in these Psalms. He is the good shepherd in 22, the great shepherd in 23, and the chief shepherd in Psalm 24. He is respectively a shepherd savior a shepherd leader, and a shepherd king. Praise the Lord, his cross comes into our view in the 22nd Psalm. His crook, that staff of the shepherd in the 23rd, and his crown in the 24th. 
As for our exposition today, we will view this psalm in its millennial significance. However, I must say that there is a great messianic light shining from this psalm. Other and more able expositors and commentators than myself, men such as Charles Spurgeon and John Phillips, ascribe this psalm to our Lord's ascension. Charles Spurgeon in his Treasury of David says, The eye of the psalmist looked, however, beyond the typical upgoing of the ark to the sublime ascension of the King of Glory. We will call it the Song of the Ascension. And so he says that the watchers at the gate hearing the song look over the battlements and ask, Who is this King of Glory? A question full of meaning and worthy of the meditations of eternity. Who is he in person, nature, character, office, and work? What is his pedigree? What his rank and what his race? The answer given in a mighty wave of music is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And Spurgeon goes on to say, commenting now on verses 7 through 10, we know the the might of Jesus by the battles which he has fought, the victories which he has won over sin and death and hell. And we clap our hands as we see him leading captivity captive in the majesty of his strength. Oh, for a heart to sing his praises, mighty hero, be thou crowned forever king of kings and lord of lords. The closing note is inexpressibly grand. Jehovah of hosts, Lord of men and angels, Lord of the universe, Lord of the worlds, is the King of glory. All true glory is concentrated upon the true God, for all other glory is but a passing pageant, the painted pomp of an hour. Amen, Brother Spurgeon. The ascended Savior is here declared to be the head and crown of the universe the King of glory. Our Emmanuel is hymned in most sublime strains. Jesus of Nazareth is Jehovah Sabaoth. Now we jumped right into that, and I say that I agree that no doubt we can see that this psalm is also referring to our Lord's ascension. And John Phillips takes the same position stating that once Christ won the victory over sin, temptation, the devil, death, hell, and the grave, and he ascends back to heaven with the blood, the, the, the cry is made, lift up your heads, O ye gates. The response, who is this King of glory? The return, the Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. And then he says that there is the church age between verses 8 and 9. And once Christ comes back to this earth in the air, in the rapture for the saints, then he will return again and say to the gates of glory, lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The ceremonial response will once again be, Who is this King of glory? This time, he does not point to the nails in his hands, the nail scars in his hands. He points behind him to the hosts, and he says, The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. 
And so this is a tremendous interpretation of this psalm. We do, however, believe that the primary interpretation is the millennial significance of this psalm. I read verses 1 and 2. In the first six verses, there is a call to reverence the Lord. Now, we want to keep our Lord's crown and His kingdom on this earth in our minds as we go through the exposition. There is a call to reverence the Lord. The psalm begins with the clear proclamation of the absolute power and position of the Lord over the whole earth. With lip and with life, men should reverence the Lord. Verses 1 and 2, which we have read, gives us a great declaration. Verses 3 through 6, we hear a great invitation. Back to the great declaration. There is to be praise in God's presence. Verse 1, we see His rule over creation. Both the places and the peoples of the world belong unto the Lord. Even communist China, even the raving and raging Russia belongs unto the Lord. The Syrians, those in Iran and Iraq, the ungodly Americans, perhaps listening to the sound of my voice now, all people and all places belong to Him. Why? Verse 2, For He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. All of creation is His by right of the founder and maker. Thus we see His rule over creation. Verse 1, his right over creation, verse 2, and it matters not if men refuse to acknowledge the right of God as their creator and owner. One day his rule will be established and they will be forced to recognize him at least externally and outwardly. Verses 3 through 6, there's a great invitation concerning this call to reverence the Lord, not only praise in God's presence, but purity in God's presence. Verse number three through five, the generation who stands before the Lord. Verse three, the question, the invitation, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Verse four comes the answer. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Then verse 6, we see the generation who seeks after the Lord. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Back to the generation who stands before the Lord. Verse 3, this hill of the Lord is referring to the kingdom. It refers to Mount Zion, where the Lord has chosen to dwell and reign upon the earth. The words holy place speaks of God's temple, refers to Mount Moriah, where the temple would be erected after David's time. And so the question here, I believe, involves position and placement in the kingdom of Christ. The answer concerning the question is the divine requirement in verse 24. God is looking for holiness of heart, humility of heart, 
honesty of heart for those who would be proper subjects for the kingdom and those who will help him administer the affairs as he rules with a rod of iron. This can only be reserved for those whose hands have been made clean, whose heart has been made pure by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 5, the divine reward. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The blessing of God and righteousness from God can only come for those who are in Christ and from the God of his salvation. Christ is the only one who can meet God's divine requirements. This, he says, is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. And so the word to Jacob was this. Those whose hands and hearts have been made clean in the blood of the Lamb, they are those who can stand in the holy place and who can seek after the Lord. They are of a divine birth, of a new heart. Their desire is after the Lord, his righteous rule, and reign upon the earth. And so in the last section of this psalm, we see a call to receive the Lord. And we'll have to save this for next time. Until then, may the Lord bless you is our prayer. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.